Welcome to the Hanging Banners Podcast with your host, Tyler Witt. Jack Coachman. And here he is, having the time of his life. And Ryan Sartori. Maybe short, but he's thick. <laughs> that's, that's thick with two C's. Welcome back. It's the Hanging Banners podcast. I'm Ryan Sartori. That's Tyler Witt, who's finally back in America. But you will notice that today... There's no Jack Coachman. Oh, my God. I promised that we would be together again this week. But in the interim, Jack uh, fell ill with a familiar disease to many, and he's not feeling too hot right now. So he's sitting this week out. He's on the uh, the COVID IR. And uh, so he will be back next week. Fingers crossed. And maybe Tyler will be here, too. You know what? Maybe next week will be the the week that I'll be gone. But either way, let me let my co-host get a word in edgewise. What's going on, Tyler? Welcome back. Thanks. I'm so sorry that I was away for this two weeks. It was just kind of a whirlwind two weeks for me, for sure. Um, Undoubtedly. I mean, and you, I mean yeah. you showed up last week, right? But like in the middle of the night, driving through Wisconsin with the, just the most incredible uh, uh, connection to the Internet. <laughs> I knew I was cutting in and out, too. It was like I heard you guys going uh, like chopping in and out. And I was like, oh, this is definitely because of me. This is not their connection. So I was I was like, yeah, this is going to be great for all the listeners. And so, viewers, so <laughs> yeah, so good to have you back. Good to see your face in like full HD quality. This is great. Um, we've got some kind of big news to talk about right off the bat. Um, CFL season has completed. We talked about it briefly last week. You and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers competed in the Grey Cup. Came up short by a point, but during that same time, you were drafted by a now Dwayne The Rock Johnson-owned football league, and I'll let you take the floor. Yeah, absolutely. So actually, middle of the week of Grey Cup preparation, I was in Saskatchewan, and the XFL draft was happening, and then... I didn't really know what to expect because there was it was a huge pool of players. Um, and I was just kind of watching it all day. And the way they did the draft was they did quarterbacks on one day. The next day was all the other players, um, like offensive and defensive players. And then the third day was specialists. So it was like punters, kickers and long snappers. And then they had like open open drafting so they could pick uh, any position after that. But um, the second day. It kind of went, you know, skill, offensive skill guys first, and it ended with offensive linemen. So I was waiting all day, just kind of watching the draft, seeing some of my friends get picked up. Of course, the offensive linemen went last. (laughs) Yeah. The most selfless dudes on the planet. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it started and I was actually with some of the old linemen from the Blue Bombers and we were all eating dinner and watching some film, getting ready for Toronto. And my name popped up and I was immediately wanted to throw up everywhere because I really didn't think it was going to happen. Um, but they I, like I didn't get a call or anything. So I was just like, oh, OK, cool. Like, you know, I got drafted and then sure. my parents ended up calling me and they were like, Oh, is it the rock? Did the rock call you? Like, no, the rock didn't. Call <laughs> yes. Me. You should have just told them. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, your dad yeah, kind of looks like team. the rock a little bit. 
In what world? Not at none, but you know, <laughs> I know he'll watch this. I can't <laughs> at least listen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were, uh, they, my teammates were very excited for me. And then, um, you know, I still had a decision to make when I got back to Winnipeg after the great cup and, um, you know, I had some conversations with the coaches and guys on the team and just ended up making my decision to move forward with the XFL. He's a defender. He defends yes, our nation's capital. <laughs> no more stormings of that place anymore. Yeah. The next time there is a, yeah, the next time there's a storming of the capital, they're sending Tyler Witt and the offensive line from the DC defenders to defend our nation's capital. Well, man, I, I got to tell you, like I, I mentioned it last week on the podcast and in fewer words, I'm just really proud of you, right? Like to see like so many steps of your career happen, to know how hard you work, to know the sacrifices that you've made, both in your own personal time, physically, et cetera. Like it's super cool to see you so passionate for your sport that like, yeah, the NFL didn't happen right out of college, but like you're still grinding for that eventual goal. And even if we never get there, you're still playing professional football, right? And you're still living out a childhood dream. And like, that's something that everybody will root for. I'm cheering for you till the end of time. And I'm just so proud of you, dude. It really means a lot to hear you say that. So I really appreciate you. As I mentioned before we got on, I do have a gift for you. Um, I got a, a pair of CFL gloves. No way. Yes. And oh, they are awesome. for you to hang up on your wall to go with the other pair. That's so, awesome you're the man okay so now i have to tell a story and for those who are just listening <laughs> you'll have to tune into the facebook uh the facebook kabang uh you'll have to tune into the uh the youtube uh version of the podcast because in my background here i've got a set of of football gloves of that an offensive lineman would wear these are not like uh the nike vapor vex gloves or whatever that wide receivers wear these are from maulers these are for dudes with mangled fingers. And there's one dude who's given me those sets of gloves. I, usually I go to a game. Tyler comes up and it's like a super cute thing. Like I'm his blonde little Southern belle that comes to watch all of his football <laughs> games. And he reaches up and he gives me a glove. And it's like mean Joe Green in, in the tunnel. <laughs> the kid gave him a Coke. Tyler gave me these gloves right here. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's cool now. I have, I have a set of CFL gloves because Tyler loves me. Glove love. I, I do. Mm-hmm. That I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I well, I appreciate it, man. I, I really do. For sure. And uh man, the XFL is next. So yes. talk about talk about that that draft process though, because I think that that's relatively interesting, right? Like you didn't get a call. You just were like, Oh, I got drafted. Yeah, and it was pretty much the same way for a lot of people. I think they only called the first round, maybe, or the first yeah, I think it was really the first round. So eight they guys really got calls. invested in the, the the very first round was obviously quarterbacks. And I know like I think Dwayne no. The Rock Johnson was no. So well they were quarterbacks were just assigned the day previous. They so, were assigned? Yes, assigned. Interesting. Yeah. So it's very interesting to see how everything's gonna shake out. It's a very interesting list of guys. Um but then you get to the uh, the day two, which is pretty much the bulk of your team offense and defensive players and the first round is just offensive skill guys hey we like dogs on this podcast we'll talk about that later we've got uh, that's just a tease for what's coming up later in the show 
Yes. Um, so as I, as I was saying, the first round was offensive skill guys. So I think a couple running backs and a couple receivers got calls, but after that, it was really just, no one's getting a call. You're just kind of finding out on your own, whether it be, uh, reading the website or, um, there was actually a guy who was doing like a YouTube like live stream with the with the website up and he was just like trying to evaluate guys as they were getting drafted. But it, the website was lagging, so it wouldn't be like every pick a guy would pop up. <laughs> Sometimes it would be like a cluster of four guys popped up. OK, yeah, so, so he was doing like he was doing like round six of the NFL draft coverage of the XFL draft in round two. Yes, it was That's awesome. OK, so you got drafted. I know your former teammate, uh, Lucky Jackson this is his last name, Jackson yes. from WKU. Mm-hmm. I know he got drafted. Who how many of your buddies got drafted? How many guys are XFLers now? Uh, well, there's actually a good amount. So uh, a, a guy I played with on the Vegas Nighthawks, uh, Katie Cannon, he's a receiver. He got drafted to D.C., so I'll be playing with him again. Oh, cool. Um, as you said, Lucky Jackson uh, played with him at WKU. He got drafted to D.C. Defenders, so that's also very cool. Um, he's also represented by my agent as well. So it's Oh, really? Really. Yeah, it's really neat. Um, who else? Uh, there was uh, Greg Long. He played uh, offensive line at Purdue with me. Uh, Last year, uh, he was our left tackle, uh, famously known as the guy who drank the beer during the game. Um, oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, he got drafted to the DC Defenders, so he's he's on my team as well. Um, as well, I'm on the Purdue train. Uh, Jackson Anthrop was a wide receiver. He got drafted by Arlington, okay. so he'll he'll be down there. Um, Headed down to Texas. Yeah, we're all well. We're all stationed in Texas, so really it's very. Yes, all of us are stationed in Dallas, and then we practice in the Dallas Arlington area. Okay, lead with, s- lead with this because I this is this is news to me. So everybody's living in 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 the Dallas Fort Worth area. Yes, uh, each of us has our, our own hotel, so each team has their separate hotel, and yeah, and then they we practice in Texas, and then they fly us out to our respective home sites for each game. So if I was playing, if we had a home game, they would fly us out to DC. And um, the other team that we were playing also flies out to D.C. with us. Oh, right. Well, I I think it's a good thing. Okay, I think it's a good thing, because if you're competing with the USFL, the USFL has everyone in one place and then they play in that one place. So their place is Birmingham. So it's tough for teams to get the you know, the fans truly involved. Like if you're the Tampa Bay bandits, um, you know, you don't, you're not playing in Tampa Bay. So it's tough to be, uh, have Tampa Bay bandits fans down there That's versus true. now. And, I, and I, I didn't know that. And I think the USFL is kind of feeling the heat from you guys, because inevitably in this space, there's going to be one league that wins. There's going to be one league that has the fans' attention. It's not going to be three leagues. It's going to be two leagues. And I, I feel like they're feeling your heat because I've seen more activity from them recently, whether it's through advertising or on social media. Like, they're trying to step their shit up, too. So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see the competition between the two leagues at a marketing level play out, too. But this is all very cool stuff. Yeah, and – Honestly, I, I think you're right. Ultimately, in the end, it's going to end up going to one of them is going to have to fold. But currently right now, I think the XFL has the advantage. They 
have better pay, uh, better benefits for the players. Um, and multiple USFL players had um, gone to NFL camps. And so that was kind of a loophole. If they go to an NFL camp, they are out of their contract with the USFL and they jump back in with the XFL. So there's oh. guys who have already flopped over from the other league. So it's a, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. Certainly, certainly. No, that that uh, if if I had to, if I was if I was a gambling man and I am, uh, my money would be on the league that's led by the bald dude who is known by literally every human being on the face of the planet, <laughs> or the league that's like has a partnership with Disney. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's. ABC, baby. The, the mouse, the <laughs> mouse knows all. Like <laughs> that mouse. All right, we are uh, twelve and a half minutes into this show, so let's start the show. Obviously, great news needs to be celebrated, needs to be talked about. Again, congratulations to you on getting drafted. First of all, uh, this is the third league that you've been a part of, and undoubtedly the biggest league that you've been a, par- a part of. So uh, proud of you. But with that said, let's jump in to count your wins, and I'm going to go first here because. I did something this past week that few will ever do. Uh, I, I mean, I'm talking, I was up there with Kobayashi and Joey Chestnut with my eating ability this past weekend. So check us out. Um, Thanksgiving obviously is in our rear view mirror. Now we are all sight set on Christmas. That's coming our way. It was my first Thanksgiving living with Nikki and it's, it's pretty, pretty quick. We've only been here for a month, so I wasn't going to be like foot down. We're going to only go to two houses and you can pick which family member you want to go to. And I'll pick which family member I'll go to. I wasn't going to be Mr. Hardass, and genuinely that's not me, but we went to all four houses. We went to four fucking Thanksgivings. We went to her grandparents in the morning. Uh, ooh, Typically serve a Thanksgiving meal at nine o'clock in the morning, but this year I, it is. Oh, turkey at nine o'clock is not something that you want. Um, <laughs> mashed potatoes at nine o'clock in the morning sounds cool in theory, in practice not cool. Um, so I, I I convinced everybody to do breakfast this year. Her grandmother made some really awesome food. There was like a French toast bake that she made that was incredible. Um, j- that was a great way to start the day. Mimosas, cool, great stuff. Um, we went to her mother's house. Small dish there, nothing huge. I know I got two big meals coming later in the day. We get to my dad's house. So much food. Not only so much food, so much drink. Dude, we're boozing. We're boozing. We're cigaring. We're eating Thanksgiving fooding, and we're just going balls to the walls. Me knowing damn well that in another three hours, I have my mother's Thanksgiving food to eat as well. I was full after the third meal. We get to my mother's house, and she's already upset that she was the last house. Um but like, man, I'm trying to recover from the day and I sit down at my mom's house and there's food in front of me already. It's like, all right, we got to get into this. I mean, and I, I, I put down that fourth plate of food and it was pain. It was I've never felt pain the way I felt pain that night. I've eaten a lot in my life. I've eaten a lot of garbage in my life. I've never had four meals of Thanksgiving in a singular day. Like it was physical stomach pain. People were making me laugh and I couldn't because it hurt. (laughs) Because there was too much fucking food in my stomach. I will say the farts that night were atomic. 
Oh, I I absolutely believe you. I can't. I think it's that is a very impressive day of eating, uh, especially coming from me. And I've had some some feats myself. Some vendors. <laughs> oh, Trust some, me, we heard your cookout order. Oh, yeah. Well, I think the the one that for me, that's the most amazing was going to Cheddar's and I got two large plates of cheese fries and I ate them both. That was my whole meal. And it was that was hell. But it was it was a good, good hell. hell. It was a good hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a type but, of hell that if you died and went to hell, you'd want to go to that hell. Right. You're just dying by cheese fry, basically. But Death by cheese fries, <laughs> a better way to go. <laughs> but here, that was an impressive day of eating. The fact that you were able to put down a fourth plate, especially when you get that. I know you were drowsy from all that turkey and then Dude. boozing too on top of it. I, I can't believe that you put down a fourth. It's not even that, like, I wanted to put down a fourth. It's that I had to put down a fourth. You don't, like, refuse your mother's cooking. If anything, it was my error for going to her house last, knowing that I had to eat there. I could have gone to my my dad's house, and I wouldn't have had to eat there. He would have been like, oh, I get it, dude. I get it. You're probably stuffed. And I was. But I made the mistake of making my mom's house the last house. That's where I screwed up. I mean, great plan in theory. I mean, in hindsight, it's always 2020. So yeah. next year, well, next year, you're set. Next year, we're putting the foot down and only eating two <laughs> plates, but going to four Thanksgivings <laughs> and either way. Um, you're back in the USA, which I know is your win, but you were able to celebrate Thanksgiving with your family and your mother's cooking. Yes, um, it was very, it was very, I'm just very excited to be back in the of United course. States. Um, I, the, the food is a lot different and it's probably because, our, you know, our FDFDA regula- doesn't regulate as much as Canada. So the food is of poor quality, you could say, but it's delicious, right? So <laughs> by <laughs> design, to- quite literally yeah. by design. Yes. But in this, this first week that I've been back, I've been to Portillo's twice. I've gotten oh, to eat Giordano's. God. Um, and I had Thanksgiving dinner, so it was really just a perfect storm of food this past week for me, but I've had my fill. So now I have to get back on my diet and yeah, yeah. get, get ready for the season. So the most frustrating um, part about you is that I know you're a big, thick guy that loves to eat. And every mm-hmm. time I've gone to visit you when you're home or whatever, you're like, nah, man, I'm on a diet. I got to eat right. They want me to be three Oh five point seven pounds for, <laughs> you know, I can't be anything more. I can't be anything less. I'm like, but you look like me. We should be on the same wavelength. We act the same. You, It's like you look like a duck, you quack like a duck, you act like a duck, but you aren't a duck. <laughs> I mean, as much as I would love to just go on an eating bender all the time, I feel like if I gave into all of my cravings, I would be like 400 pounds. So I think it's – I've had some purges, dude. Like I went on a pur – oh, goodness. A yeah, I went on a purge a when I was in Saskatchewan. And I called it a purge because I just was, I just ate killing everything. I needed another drop. Well, binging and purging. Well, I literally. So we were in Saskatchewan. Um, but anyway, it was when I was in Saskatchewan. I there's this restaurant across the street. I was starving, hadn't eaten in a while. Um, the lunch at the hotel wasn't good, so I went across the street and. 
I sat down. She's like, okay, what do you want? All right, I'm going to start with uh, this appetizer. Okay, cool. She brings me the appetizer. Okay, do you want anything, you know, to eat? I was like, yeah, yeah. give me this uh, burger and, you know, give it to me with the with the fries. Okay, cool. And she brings it back to me and she's like, okay, okay, do you want me to take your menu or? I'm like, no. He was holding out of that menu like this. <laughs> yes. And then I ordered a, a pizza for myself. So then I, I housed the whole pizza. And then, yeah, and then I was I was finally finally full enough to go home. But hell yeah, brother! If I can't do that every day though, because like I said, I'll be four hundred pounds. All right, no, it's fair. I get it. I understand it. As as a guy who would also probably be four hundred pounds if I gave in to every craving, <laughs> I get it. I just like you know w- when I have those cravings, I want to be like, well, you you feel that too, right? You, just, <laughs> you don't want to eat. It's just me. Uh, okay. Um, all right. So your win is that you're back in the United States. Did we cover everything under that umbrella? Is there something that we're missing from being back in the states besides the food? Um, no. It's it's actually a lot warmer here than I was expecting. Um, you know, coming from negative eleven to sixty is pretty pretty nice transition oh trust me it's um, coming for us all brother that's fine i as long as i got this a little bit i'm i'm fine <laughs> um it's like going yeah that's florida <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i'm going down to chicago got to bring all my t-shirts and get ready for the, the tropical shirts yeah <laughs> shout out rich fleming <laughs> but yeah that's it i just like i said i'm just very happy to be back um my family back with place I know familiarity is always, you know, a good thing. Yeah, of course. Uh, Of course. Well, happy to have you back. And uh, I'll be, I'll be down in that neck of the woods soon. So we can go to old Mr. Subi, uh, Mr. Sub. That's the, that's the Holy Mecca right there. I will make a pilgrimage to Joliet for Mr. Sub. Uh, Let's move on to intercept it at the goal line. And, um, Tyler, part of coming back to the United States is part of what's the worst of the week for you. Yes. So I have all my Canadian money and having to go to the bank and convert it to U.S. dollars is a very upsetting thing. Walk me Um, through it. So (laughs) the U.S. dollar is worth more than the Canadian dollar. Okay. So therefore, if I like convert, so if I have $1 in U.S. money, it's probably worth like $3 in Canada, something like that. You were Canadian Just, rich, bro. I, w- I, was, I was Canadian rich for a little bit. Hell but yeah. now I came back. Now I'm American poor. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Me too. <laughs> yeah. So, so all of my hard work uh, and the money that I was able to save from the Blue Bombers has been converted and dwindled. And it's just, it's not as a nice number as I was hoping. And the, the conversion rate really, really hurt my heart. And it was, it was tough for me this week to, to see that. This is like a Thanos snap, except like 66% <laughs> of your money is gone. Mm-hmm. Dust in my hands. <laughs> Mr. Stark, I'm not feeling okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so sad bank account. It's Christmas time. Not, not great for, for my bank account, but it's all right. Um, you're intercepted at the goal line. I actually 
saw today but didn't look into so i'm very excited to hear about it liver king got got it finally caught up to him. The secret, uh, secret, I don't, the secret is finally out that Liver King apparent, apparently has been doing steroids yes. for something like 35 years. <laughs> no, he's been working out for 35 years, but he's been, he's been on steroids for probably 10 is what I think this post is saying. So somebody has obtained leaked emails from Liver King of him outlining uh, his use of almost $12,000 worth of pharmaceutical HGH per month, three injections per day. Uh, all this while promoting this, like, you know, I don't sleep with a cell phone. I sleep on a rock. Uh, I don't use a cell phone. My kids eat rocks like, you know, and nails. And, you know, our blood is that of our ancestors. Some fucking crazy shit. Uh, he was actually kind of endearing at a certain point where I was like, all right. I'll let him be a character because he is just that he's a character, but now it's coming out all of this like holistic BS that he's been prescribing to everybody uh, is exactly that. It's just hogwash. It's bullshit. And um, yeah, so $12,000 worth of steroids, Tyler, I feel like we're just talking about how poor we are. (laughs) We'll take a fourth of that. We'll take a third of that and split it and we'll be happy. And I think liver King will still be liver jacked. Yes. That's an obscene number. And uh, what's, what's more surprising to me is that more people were surprised by this. Like you're going to tell me this guy just eats a bunch of raw meat and looks like that. Like that's at a certain point you have to be like, Hey, let's, there's the writings on the wall here, guys. Well, and like, he's like 45, I want to say. Yeah. Like at, and like at a certain point, your T levels start to drop, and naturally, you're going to become smaller. So the only way to keep up with that size, with that mass, is to take steroids. And like, if that's you, there's no shame in it. But don't promote that you're not that thing. Yeah, it's very. And I think this is like the steroid conversation comes into play, like. If you say you're natural and then it comes out that you're using, that's bad. That's just so bad for like both sides because for your image, for your image, it's also bad for those that are promoting like steroid use in some sports. Um, I know it's like a kind of a hot topic, um, but just thinking about like the possibilities for some sports, if you just said, yeah, hey, take whatever you want, reach your full potential. Um but I, I, this this is the kind of stuff that makes like gives steroids the stigma that it has. Well, even just looking at it from like the bodybuilding perspective, right? Let's look at a guy like Ronnie Coleman, eight-time Mr. Olympia, the strongest dude who has ever walked the face of the planet pound for pound. The dude, it was an incredible in his prime. I don't think there was ever a person who thought that guy's not on steroids. I don't think Ronnie Coleman ever even tried to put up a fight that he wasn't on steroids. That guy was very clearly on steroids and it was okay because it was Ronnie fucking Coleman and he was doing things that nobody had ever done before. It's the same thing. Like Jay Cutler, the bodybuilder 
very clearly was on steroids, right? Like there's, there's so many guys in that field that are, and then they just don't talk about it. Just don't bring it up. And that's kind of the way that I think you should be about it. If you look like that, if you're that vascular, if you're that red, right? Like chances are you're on steroids and just own up to it because like you're trying to say, there's so many leagues where if you lie about it, we villainize you. If you own up to it, well, he was just trying to be his best. You know what I mean? I, I get what you're where you're trying to go with it. But like, I think the, the, the root of it, the core of it is just like, bro, of course you are. Yeah, of course you are. I, th- I think the, the thing that's very intriguing to me is like the other side of the coin is that like there was this anonymous hacker group that got into Liver King's email and was like, I fucking knew it. This guy's been <laughs> using. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I always complain about the people who have the free time to like go through somebody's Twitter and look up tweets from years and years and maybe even a decade ago. Right. Like when Kevin Hart got got for like some joke tweet that he put out in 2011 or whatever. Right. Like I always complain, like who has that time and that specific narrowed honed in hatred for that singular person to I am going to just look for anything I can to take you down. The same thing here. What hacker was like, I, I've had enough of this guy. Maybe that's exactly what it was. Maybe it's a, this is just a, a very gifted hacker who saw a video and was like, I'm going to fuck this guy up and just went clicking, clickety clackety on the keys. And then like 40 minutes later came up with an email. I would like to imagine that it was an even shorter time. Like it was like 12 minutes and he goes, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you got to think liver kink since he's, you know, like a Neanderthal, he he doesn't have the highest level. No, no, no not Neanderthal, primal, primal, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's all it's a farce. It's what's up, primals? <laughs> liver King here. Let me eat this cow. Let me eat this dog anus real quick. It's going to give me superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me back to my ancestral plane. To the, yeah, to the ancestral plane, just like fucking, I don't know, Black Panther or something. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's why I intercepted at the goal line. Um, Liver King. INT, baby. Let's move on to week 12 of the NFL. We start with one point coverage. Tyler, are you ready? <clears throat> I'm ready to go. All right. We start Tampa Bay at Cleveland. If you didn't see, Cleveland unveiled a new mascot that represents the smell of their city. Did you see the skunk that was loose in the stands? Las Vegas at Seattle. It was a Josh Jacobs talisman game. Holy hell. 33 rushes for 229 yards, two touchdowns, six catches for 74 yards, and 40 points from the Raiders? Yeesh. I'm not saying there's something brewing in LV. But there's there's definitely nothing brewing in LV. Um, <laughs> New Orleans at San Francisco. There's so many times when the 49ers feel like they're a cheesy quarterback away from being the Broncos. Stay golden, Jimmy G. Uh, the Rams at Kansas City. This was this week's meh game of the week. Uh, L.A. at Arizona. Well, Kyler, you're not just schematically fucked anymore. But hard knocks should be fun. Uh, Baltimore at Jacksonville. In the locker room, post game, Lamar Jackson looks to his teammates and says, I didn't lose. Y'all lost. Denver at Carolina. 
Russell Wilson now needs just four passing touchdowns to have as many TDs as he has bathrooms in his Denver mansion. Houston at Miami. Keeping up with this game on red zone. You would have thought the Texans had a real chance in this game, the way Scott Hansen was acting. He was like, oh, they might have to put Tua back in. Here come the Texans. <laughs> Houston lost by 15. Cincinnati at Tennessee. Where exactly is the collective asshole of Tennessee for Ted Karras to exclaim it so confidently? Up yours, Tennessee. I, where is the collective asshole of Tennessee? Atlanta at Washington. Are are the commanders good? Is is Taylor Heineke the real deal? Is Sean Taylor rolling over in his grave? The answer might be yes to all of those. Yuck. Uh, the Thanksgiving Day games, New England at Minnesota. Not talked about enough. The Pats had five receivers with 60-plus yards. This might have been their best game offensively this year. Uh, new, uh, the Giants at Dallas may have been my favorite game of the week. I thought that it was a really well-played game and for uh, second place in the NFC East. Buffalo at Detroit. Jared Goff. Oh, oh, I'm supposed to sing this one. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes, and I'm like, it says <laughs> sing it. Okay. Um, oh, okay, got it. I, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <clears throat> Jared Goff looks downfield, throws the ball, and it's caught by Amon Ra. Uh, Amon Ra St. Brown, nine catches, 122 yards, and a touchdown. That's Amore, baby. Uh, Chi-Town in New York to play the Jets. Congrats to Mike White on beating a defense that features Nick Morrow, Jack Sanborn, Kendall Vildor, and DeAndre Houston Carson. That guy needs a contract extension. Uh, I, I'll wrap up with Green Bay at Philly because I don't have a note for uh, uh, Pittsburgh in Indy last night because we were supposed to record last night and we didn't. But uh, uh, Green Bay at Philly, Aaron Rodgers conspiracy theory here. The rib injury is a ploy to sit out until next week because he's legitimately worried about losing to Chicago. <laughs> And the defense that features Nick Morrow, Jack Sanborn, and Kindle Vildor. Um, well, I guess we'll. I'll start with the the Chicago game then. Um, I played with Mike White, so for me, did you? I, I, yes, I blocked for him. Where at Western, at Western Kentucky? No shit. Yeah. Yeah. So um, played with Mike White. Okay. So, but for me, that game was like, yeah, I know the Bears are bad, whatever, and they have no depth right now. But seeing him like tear it up a little bit was was a good feeling for me. Uh, you know, just just having it be someone that I know. So it was it was, it was an exciting game for me. Um, being a Bears fan, it was terrible. It was <laughs> mis- it was just a miserable game. Um, I was able to actually listen to it on the radio because I'm back in America. Um, but it was still just horrendous to listen to. Um, yeah. At what, at what point, at what point did Jeff Joniak call it a fade to black moment? Was it in the third quarter? It had to have been. Was it I, going to halftime? Yeah, I got home. I got home. So I was in the car when I was listening for the, it was the first half. So I, if it, if it was, I didn't, I didn't catch the end or the second half, but 
you got to be a little concerned if you're the Bears, right? <clears throat> Maybe. Sure. I think I think I think to some extent the Bears are a little bit national news. I try to restrain myself as much as I can on this show because I've got takes galore on the Bears, but like I don't like to talk about them unless they're a national headline. And I think the conversation about the Bears right now and the concern anyway has to be with Justin Fields injured and you know you have a guy and you know that the team is literally falling apart around him. Does he play the final six weeks of this season? Is it worth it for him to play five additional games against teams that you're going to lose against? Like the remaining schedule is something along the lines of Packers, Eagles, Bills, Lions, Vikings, and you're probably going to lose four or five of those games. Like it's a possibility that they lose out. You've got, uh, Darnell Mooney now on IR. Eddie Jackson's on IR. Uh, your your defense is just in disarray because you've traded so many people away. There is absolutely no point, in my opinion, of playing Justin Fields the rest of this season. You've seen what you need to see. I totally agree, and I think the the argument for that is that you want him to keep excelling and keep you know getting better. But at a certain point, you got to be like, hey, like this guy's probably going to get hurt if we keep him out here with these guys who really can't handle it yet. Or you, I think you at least tried to limit his running ability, though he he still is the most hit quarterback I think this season. He's been hit more than any other quarterback, so it's like the offensive line is. Oddly okay, but also at times just Swiss cheese. Like it's the most polarizing offensive line that I've seen out of any team where like there's stretches where they dominate D line and then there's stretches where they can't block anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. It, it might be worth it to have him out there for the Packer game and the lions game. But like, then it's really like, man, we're just spot starting this guy. And is that good for his progression? There's so much that you can talk about with the Justin Fields situation, because this season is a wash. Oh, it absolutely is. And I think, yeah, I, I, I don't see the point in starting him anyway. Um, just let him rest, let him heal his shoulder. And that should be, there's your starting point for next season, right? Right. Reinforce the the whole team with your big draft class that you're going to have. Oh my God. I, I, I can't tell you how many mock drafts I've done for the bears. I I'll cease my ranting on the bears just because they're off season coming up. I'm, I'm very, very hopeful for them. And I'm hoping that their draft is, is what it should be. Anyway, uh, an additional question that I wanted to ask from this week's games is we did a lot of talking about Seattle probably four or five weeks back or so. And just trying to figure out, are they good? Is this like, is this weird? It is still weird to me that they're such a good team, but Geno Smith is having like a career year. He's having the year that people thought he would coming out of West Virginia for like an entire career. He thought they thought that this was going to be the guy. Well, he figured it out now, but now I want to have this conversation about the commanders because they're in a situation where it's like, okay, now they're playing good football. They're in the playoff race. They have seven wins, I think. I think they're seven and three or seven and four, something like that. Yes, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look. One. Count them up, Tyler. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, yeah, they're at yeah, seven, seven wins. and five. Seven and five. 
and they still have yet to hit their bye, which comes up in week 14 after they play the Giants this week, which will be a big game because they'll have an opportunity to jump them in the standings. But as it stands right now, all four teams in the NFC East would make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think they kind of had to go through their little rough patch um, before Taylor Heineke because they were, you know, they had questions at quarterback and, you know, it's still a new regime over there, right? It's mm-hmm. still uh, Ron Rivera. He came in last year um, and it's just a bad organization. Like you, you hear about all the stuff in the front office with the owner. <laughs> it is. <laughs> right. It, well, I mean, that kind of stuff affects you as a player. So, to, you know, to see uh, to, I'm not surprised that they started off pretty poorly and they, I mean, they went one in one in three, one in four in their first five. Yeah, and then they really started bouncing back after the horrendous Thursday night game after with the Bears. Yeah, I mean, so they beat the Bears, Packers, and Colts. They lost to the Vikings, and then they've beaten the Eagles, Texans, and Falcons. So, like, take from that what you will. Strength of schedule tells you they probably haven't done a, a super good job of beating playoff teams because their first four losses came against the Lions, Eagles, Cowboys, Titans. Three of those teams are going to be playoff teams, um, and they still have to play the Giants twice, which might be a playoff team the Niners and the Cowboys again so it it could end up that this is just a middle of the road team but they're certainly on a heater right now and I think Taylor Heineke adds a an element to this team that they simply do not have with Carson Wentz or any other quarterback for that matter under center he's got balls He's just got nuts, man. Like he throw and he throws them around. He doesn't give a goddamn, and uh, he lets it all hang out there on the field. And that's like something that I think that team needs. They don't have any personality. They don't have anybody on that team except for I mean Terry McLaurin kind of shines through here and there, but like Taylor Heineke's attitude directly translates to the football field. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, I mean, what was this guy? He was re- he was retired. He was done playing football, and then you know he gets a call and was just like, yeah. So he, I mean, obviously he doesn't he doesn't give a shit. Like, what was he gonna do? He's, he's playing on borrowed time anyway. He's literally right. it's, it, yeah. It's like he's like, uh, I mean, what am I gonna do? Screw up my chances of being in the NFL? I was retired. <laughs> yeah. So I think you know him just not you know just throwing his balls out there can also be like. What does this dude have to lose? Like you said, bar, he's on borrowed time. So he's, I mean, he's just taking what he can out of it. I mean, why wouldn't you want to make the most of it and get the most out of your teammates? Like this heater that they're on, I mean, it could carry them into the playoffs if they, you know, if they went out, right? If I'm Ron Rivera and I see the way that Taylor Heineke impacts his football team, there's no way I let Carson Wentz back under center. I think that Taylor Heineke is such a tremendous impact on this team that I I think that he's your starter the rest of the way. Like Carson Wentz is just going to be a perennial bridge guy for whatever team picks him up. Um, But like, I I don't know. It's the same situation that's kind of uh, unfolding right now. I kind of in, in, in New York with the jets, like Mike white, we just obviously talked about him. Like he's the quarterback that Robert Sala thinks is going to get them to the playoffs. Not Zach white or Zach Wilson, rather. Um, I think it's kind of a similar situation in, in Washington. Like, this is the guy that might get us to the playoffs. 
He's got the hot hand. Let's ride it. We've seen the story play out so many times in the NFL. Was it Foles? Right? Like he had the hot hand, although Wentz was injured, but like still, like you ride the hot hand. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think, uh, Wentz's days as a starting quarterback are kind of over. I think he's going to transition more into like what Andy Dalton is right now. He's just a, <laughs> just kind of a guy who floats around. He could be a good number two, but that's really it. A glorified backup. Um, we have to talk about Baltimore and their inability to close out football games. They've been good all year. No doubt. Lamar Jackson is certainly in a situation where he is bound to make a ton of money, whether it's uh, through a new contract franchise tag or going with a different team altogether to get a new contract. Um, but I mean, it, part of it is the fact that Trevor Lawrence is having a breakout year in a new offense with a coach that lets him be Trevor Lawrence. And that's kind of, that kind of showed up there on that final drive. But part of it is that the Ravens just completely lose steam in the final five minutes. They've lost like four or five games this way where they just shit out. Yeah, and that I mean that's a big deal. Or when I was in college at least they they would always say that the last 5 minutes if you can win the last 5 minutes you win the game. And it, that's just literally what their record tells you. They've lost all of their games in the fourth quarter. It mm-hmm. they are a good football team, but they have these little mistakes. Um I mean, they had Justin Tucker try to kick a 67-yard field goal. Almost hit it. He almost hit it. But it's a still a sixty-seven yard field goal. Like it's kind of obscene. It is. Well, and like to leave the game to that kind of chance, like that kind of tells you where they're at as a football team. But it's it's interesting because you look at you look at the finals of their games and it's they lost to the Dolphins in a crazy game in week two. They lost to the Bills in a crazy comeback, the Giants in a crazy comeback, and now the Jaguars in a crazy comeback. They were able to shut out other teams. I mean, uh, you know, at least complete games against other teams, but like their their losses, and this could be a technically undefeated football team had they just finished out the final five minutes of their games. That's obviously like a coulda, woulda, shoulda type situation. Mm-hmm. But had they done it, they they could be undefeated. It's it's interesting because they are a good football team, but like this is the type of stuff that come January and February. This is the type of stuff that gets you beat early, and you're like, how did this happen? No, I I totally agree, and <clears throat> I mean just the way just the way it's going. Like he, you know, that's pretty demoralizing too as a team. Like you can't finish games, so it'll be interesting how their schedule shakes out. I know I've said that they're the team that their record doesn't really determine how good they are. Mm-hmm. I still think they're a good team. And I think it's pretty evident. It's just finished games. Yeah. There's no doubt that they're a good team. It's just, it's just like you said, it's that little bit of discipline come towards the end of the game. One team that is certainly not good. Uh, and I want to talk about this before we transition to the next part of the show. Uh, But one team that's certainly not good is the Arizona Cardinals. Now, specifically, I want to talk about the comments post game by Kyler Murray when he was asked a question and his answer was, well, schematically, we're just kind of fucked. It's it's a jarring sentence to hear from a player in a post game press conference. But I think even more than that, it speaks to the level of confidence that they have in their coach and the staff there available to them to help them win games. Yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, no. I think this is a very complicated 
thing to talk about. Okay. Because, then, but let's talk about it. Yes. No, for sure. I think by him getting up there and saying that, wow, yeah, we're kind of fucked. Like he's he's really saying that and he's putting it out there. And it can be kind of taken different ways, right? Because the the big joke with with Kyler is that he play all he does is play Call of Duty. Sure. And he's just a gamer or whatever. But as a quarterback, you have to watch like an obscene amount of film. Like you have to prepare way more than a lot of people. So I, I think like he he would he knows best when it comes to that, as he should, because he's the leader of your team. For him to get up there and say that from a player's point of view, he is probably just reiterating what his teammates are thinking. Because in the locker room, when the coaches aren't around, this is the stuff that they talk about. It's the, you know, things that the coaches do that don't make sense. It's the things, the schematically that don't make sense. Like, why are we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? Mm. And, you know, the, the real issue comes is if they've brought that to their coaches and are like, hey, like, I think we should, you know, take the step forward and do this rather than that. Sure. And if, if Kingsbury and his staff are like, it's in one ear and out the other, then there's a real serious problem. And I mean, his coaching is or the coaching career in Arizona is going to be done. So let's say, let's say that there are adjustments made, right? Like everybody's coming together and they're saying like schematically we're screwed right now. Like we don't really have a, a path on offense, anything like that. And let's say that dr- dramatically over the course of the next six weeks, Cliff Kingsbury does some really, innovative things on offense, fixes their scheme, whatever, goes to work, all that good stuff, all the coach speak that you can think of, um, fixes the scheme, they lose out. Or they lose the next four or five. Or they lose the next three or five, right? Like they finish with two more wins. Does that get him fired? He made the changes, but they still still didn't translate to wins. Is that enough to get Cliff Kingsbury out of, out of town? I think it depends on how good the loss is, if that makes sense. Okay. Like you could lose a a good game with a good team and you could be like, Oh, we were just right there. Maybe we're just one or two players away because they, Mm. you know, I consider the Cardinals still a team that's rebuilding. I know they, I would say that they're in a win now situation. I would argue that their window is right now and them not winning would mean that immediately, yes, Cliff Kingsbury would be fired. I, I would think if they don't find a way to sneak into the playoffs, he's fired. I mean, I think I I do agree that, that they're in the win, the win now. They were in the playoffs last year. Um, but at the same time, I still think they're there. I think they might realize that they're they're still a couple pieces short. Mm. And while it's still like a win now, like we want to win now, they with those extra pieces, it might make it easier. Um, so I, I don't really know as far as like, if with two more wins, does that only two wins the rest of the season, does that get him fired? I mean, I think it's just, it comes down to what he does with Kyler because at the end of the day, like when you talk about like the scheme is not working, like we need to do a new scheme. Well, that really comes down to the coach. Like the player doesn't make the game plan. Sure. Um, you know, how much film are they watching? You know, what works against that, but certain teams and what doesn't like, are you really utilizing that? Are you really watching as much as you should? Are you, you know, asking appropriate questions to people on your staff, other teams? Um, Cause coaches talk. So um, 
I don't know. It's it's a real dumpster fire in Arizona, and that's for sure. It is. I, and I would I would say that the hottest seat in the NFL coaching world right now is certainly in Arizona, down in the desert. Um, but okay, I want to move forward now because you say you have something to surprise me with uh, a, a segment. Yes, I would like to bring up this segment of grinding my gears. Okay. A little bit of a throwback for people who have listened to. Sure. I see, I see that you threw it here in the, in the uh, prep stuff. So there's grinding my gears. I like it. Yeah. So really it's just going to be a segment where, you know, it's not going to be super long, but it's going to be one topic that really as this week has gone, gone by or at this certain time of year, you know, that's just really bothering you. And I, cause I have one and I was texting Ryan and Jack about it this week. Um, and you but, said, damn it, let me get my own segment together about this. <laughs> pissing you off that much. I think it's just it's more frustrating to see uh, young kids make these types of decisions. And what yeah, I'm talking you, about, you're the senior, the old head on this podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> from a football perspective. Sure. If, if sure. That makes sense. I've watched football for a lot longer than you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well. My grind in my gears this week is uh, I saw a tweet f- fra- of a, about a Penn State offensive tackle who decided to come back for his senior year and and play it out instead of declaring for the draft. He was a top-rated NFL prospect. Yeah, Olu Fashanu, as it, uh, Fashanu, I think is how you say his name. He is, uh, if not number one, number two in offensive tackle rankings for this upcoming draft out of Penn State. Uh, it's him and Pete Skaronsky. Go figure. The Big Ten is going to produce the two highest rated tackles. Yeah, and as the number two best offensive tackle coming out, people want you. You are going to be a millionaire. Instantly, and instantly like and, that and guaranteed mm-hmm. guaranteed, you, you know, and it's so interesting because this is the time of year that a lot of kids are like deciding like, oh, OK, I'm going to try out my try my hand at the NFL or if I'm going to go back another year. And a lot of kids, they they either think they're better than they are or, you know, I like in this case, I just don't know what he's thinking. But some kids think that they're better than they are and they commit their they declare early. When there's no market for them. Sure. And, you know, I've seen it happen firsthand. Um, you know, guy had eligibility to go back uh, one one more year. And he was a you know top defensive player uh, this in his junior year. And he could have come back and been a force on defense. Instead, he decided to take his chances. And, you know, he's not playing football anymore. And it's it's who are you talking about? <laughs> this person will remain nameless um but it, i've seen it happen and it is very and it hurts me just because like if i was in his shoes i would i, I would love to be in that place and to be able to say like yeah i'm a, in the in uh the penn state players shoes yes that's correct yeah, yeah i would i would love to be like yeah i'm the number two tackle in the draft i'm probably going to go day one or day two you will go day one like yes that's, period you will go day one offensive tackles come at a premium in the nfl um now i will say just as like a, a juxtaposition in a comparison you talk about like guys think that they that they're better than they are somebody who's pays attention a lot to baseball and stuff like that you'll see oftentimes like oh my god we drafted aaron judge and 
you know, let's say Aaron Judge was drafted. I don't know his exact year, but let's say he was drafted in 2012. And somebody's like, oh, my God, we drafted him in 2008 and he didn't stay with us. What happened? Typically, what happens is you're good. People can tell that you're good and they'll draft you out of high school. But you know that if you go to uh, college and play a year, or if you play another year at college, if you're in college, you can be even better and increase your draft stock and work your way to the top of the of the, uh, of the draft. But you're allowed to decline being drafted. It's a different process in, in, in football. If you declare for the draft, it's game over. There's no going back. Right. Now they've changed that rule for college basketball, I think. Yes, that is correct. You can declare for the NBA draft. And if you're not taken, you can go right back to the school that you came from. But there's no transfer portal, though you can transfer. I think you go right back to the school that you came from. Football is the only sport that I know of right now that if you declare for the draft, you're done. There's no going back to college. Yes. And that puts a lot of young men in a position to where, you know, they thought they could help their families. And now they're in a position where some don't finish their degree that the university gives you for free. And you're not getting, you know, you're just putting your body at, I mean, you, you're just going early. Like take the extra year to, you're in college right now with finish the NIL your degree online finish. Yeah. My last year, my master's degree was, was online and it's, I still have a master's degree. Like I have that it's physical. It's like, it's on my wall. Like, like that's stuff that you could take away from you when football ends. Cause it always ends for at some point. Well, and I, I think so in, in the specific case of Olu Fashanu, it, it, maybe he's going back for educational purposes. Maybe he's going back because he wants to run it back with this specific group of guys. There's, but either school of thought there, you can say, okay, well, you can finish your degree online, dude. The other one is kind of a short-sighted young man's decision where, yes, it would be awesome to run it back with the team, be, run it back with your boys, the dudes, that you've, the dudes that you've gone through college with and gone through undoubtedly some shit with, right? But that is the young man's decision because there is money on the table for you to have, not just like a couple thousand dollars. We're talking millions generational wealth for your family and i could see why this would piss you off grind your gears because in a situation that you're coming from where you're like dude i would kill for that what are you doing he's a an ankle roll away from being a nobody he is a, a torn acl away being rolled up on in a pile away from being nobody in this situation that he's in currently he is i'm gonna sit out this last game i'm gonna sit out my bowl game away from being a millionaire Yes. And I think what you've, you touched on is very important to say, because if he, if he goes and he tears his ACL or he, you know, God forbid something bad happens to him this season, like he gets hurt in some way that is going to harm his draft stock. He will no longer be the number one offensive tackle in the country. He will be like the 10th. That's and there's a the, big drop between number one and number 10. There is a huge drop. Even in just the top 10 of the NFL draft, there's a big drop between one and 10. But you talk about being, you've been in a situation where you've been in that draft pool, Tyler, you know, like when it comes to offensive guards, the position that you play in the draft, there's how many taken eight, 12. Yeah. Not many. Right. 
for an entire league, there's eight or 12 guys that are introduced every year in, in the guard position. So now talk about the tackle position. Maybe there's 13, 14, because it's a more premium position. Guys don't last as long out there. Uh, maybe a couple more go. But if you're the first tackle taken, likely in the first 10 picks of the draft, and you're the 10th guy taken, maybe on day three, you're getting paid way different, buddy. And there's a lot of money left on the table when you're going back to school. So a surprising thing for sure. Uh, I think that it tells us that Penn State's going to be a team to watch next year in the Big Ten uh, but certainly a, a questionable decision for Olu Fashanu, and I'm sure that I said that correctly. Um, let's bang ahead here uh, as we move to low-hanging fruit, because I want to circle back on something that I mentioned in the one-point rundown, which is, um, is, uh, is Sean Taylor rolling over in his grave? Because it's now been two straight years where the Washington football franchise has damned his name and used him as a token. Used him as just some marketing chip. Apparently this past weekend, and this is supposed to be low hanging fruit where we're making fun of stuff, but like I'm, I'm legitimately angry about this and I'll also make fun of it because the Dan Schneider and his leadership group are fucking imbeciles like the 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 highest tier imbecile that you can be this man was tragically shot in his home defending his family 15 years ago on sunday and they say that they're going to memorial uh make a, a memorial for this man inside of fedex field you would think a statue you would think i i don't know some sort of enshrinement other than a cast iron figure wearing a helmet, a jersey, pants, and soccer cleats. Not even football cleats. Soccer cleats that you would find on the sales rack at Dick's Sporting Goods. <laughs> it was, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy to me that this undoubtedly went through checks upon checks upon checks upon checks of people being like, yep, that's good. Yep, that's good. Yep, that's good. And this is what they came out with. If you haven't seen it yet, you got to go find it on on, on Twitter because it's out there and available for many eyes. They had a whole crew of people there to, to witness it, all these fans. The response from them was even underwhelming as they unveiled this big shadow box. And it was just something that looks like you would find in a museum about ancient tribal Indians and, and their practices. Except this was a real dude. Uh, so were so were these ancient people. I shouldn't say it like that. <laughs> but like, you have the means to build a statue of this dude who you claim to be a franchise icon. I think and you didn't. <laughs> I think what Dan Snyder has been going through, or like just using Sean Taylor as is just like a scapegoat for him. The past like, look, look, I do stuff for black people. That's that's Dan Snyder in this situation. I, I don't know, because he's been in hot water the past two seasons in the past at two the same seasons. exact time. I'm sorry. I keep it's, cutting you off. Go ahead. No, no, no. No, I, I yes. He, last season, around the same time, they retired his number. And I, we were I, asking the same thing. Like, is 
Sean Taylor rolling over in his grave because of this? Like, what the hell is is this all about? And then he does the same thing again this year. He doubles down on it because they're being investigated and they might sell the team. It's it it is a great and that makes me think that this is something that was like recently. Like this wasn't something that they planned out months ahead. They planned this out. Like Dan Snyder starts to get investigated and they're like, we need something to take the heat off us. This is this is a PR move. And again, it's tokenization. Of a, of a man who was murdered in his home defending his family that you claim as a franchise icon. So you are profiting off of tragedy. Go figure. But also, uh, what is this? What is his life? What does his life mean? What does his football legacy mean if this is the way that you choose to memorialize him? Exactly. It, it doesn't make sense to me. And it doesn't make sense to me that the guy at the helm of it all even gets an opportunity to still own his team. Well, that's pending, but it's, it's pending. And hopefully, hopefully it comes to an end soon, but it's just, it's, it's mind numbing. It's, it's, it's embarrassing that it was allowed to happen. Yeah. It's dumpster. It's a dumpster fire. Commanders have been a a fire fire. fest. It's fire fest. Hmm. Uh, on that note, I'm going to give you my low-hanging fruit. Hopefully, it's something more lighthearted. It's it's to me. I'm I'm the low-hanging fruit. I said that uh, <laughs> I said that Jeff Saturday was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I had very high hopes for Jeff Saturday, and this week he really showed. He's um, a doofus. He's, I mean, yeah, he's, he's a high school coach. (laughs) He's, he's a player. That's walk us through the situation. He he just had poor clock management at the end of last night's game and ultimately caused the Colts to lose. Yeah. And it's, it's a boneheaded mistake. And Mostly this low hanging fruit is about me because like I was so frustrated and like, like, oh, he's he could be a great coach. Like it, it, it's going to work out in, in our favor. Like it's going to be good. And the first week I was like so fired up. And this is when I couldn't I couldn't talk because I was gone in Saskatchewan and I was driving home. So I couldn't have been like, I told you so. Told you. I fucking told you so. And then this week, two, I was like. Okay, they lost, but it was, you know, it was kind of an okay loss. Like the Eagles to the wire. That's yeah. So I was like, I'm okay with that. Week three, third week, I you know, I get slap, I get slapped with this. So I, think it was something, I didn't get a chance to watch the game because my Wi-Fi was out and we don't have cable here. Um but I think it was something like Matt Ryan had like a crazy scramble and went down in bounds and they had an opportunity to like go on a drive and they had a timeout and Jeff Saturday didn't use it. And then time expired. And then he came to his press conference this morning and said, I wish I would have used that. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, we were kind of frantically uh, in motion after, after Matt scramble. And I wish I would have used that timeout. Well, hindsight's 2020 Jeff. Yeah. And hindsight is twenty twenty for me. I, but I was going to come to your defense and say, well, you weren't. I mean, he technically did have a for two good like weeks, and then this last week was just a, 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 a shit show. Yeah. Um. So he deserves the the Nate Hackett Coach of the Week award. 
but I still, I, you know, maybe he can redeem himself. Maybe who knows? Maybe he's got uh, six weeks to figure it out. Yeah. So, all right. Awesome. Good low hanging fruit. I'm, I'm glad that uh, that we can be, you know, self-sabotaging a little bit on this show <laughs> and be OK with it. Um, OK, let's hang a banner. I'm interested in in yours because I'm trying to figure out who the boss is. The boss like Bruce is Springsteen. A, is a, he's a grizzly bear. <laughs> oh, my listen. God. More bear content. More bear content, but you oh, okay. got to listen to this. I, I, this is I, the boss. Yeah. I'm listening. Okay. This isn't just your average bear. Okay. He completely dominates Banff National Park. I don't know where that is, but it's, I'm sure it's somewhere. Um, he, he once survived getting hit by a train and he has killed and eaten many black bears. They also say he has fathered over 70% of the cubs in his region. That's the boss right there. Possibly racist. Hmm? How many black bears has he killed? Oh, many. The number is unknown, <laughs> but he's eaten a lot. It is an undisclosed number. Uh, you should you should know where Banff National Park is. Why you were you were because you were native of this country? Where is it? It's in Alberta, Canada. Oh my goodness! So this but, Canadian grizzly, the boss, is what they call him. Got hit by a train. He survived. Went on to father seventy percent of the cubs in the region. That's a lot of Pippin work. ain't easy, cub. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. He, and I'm starting to know so many different bears. Like I'm going to have to get like a bear hall of fame because I have 747, which is world's f- the fattest bear of the year. Right. And the boss now. Uh-huh. Um, the bears. The Yeah. The bears. Um, oh, I did more bear content though. I know I did. Oh, you know, yeah. The, the bear that almost killed those two wrestling dudes. Yes. That bear. Right, he's not he doesn't have a name, but like no, because he he couldn't even finish off two dudes. Yeah, the, so the rest he's like all of all of really good. Like he's in, you know what I mean. <laughs> the worst could he be in the worst because he didn't kill two humans? Hall of barely good. Ha, ha, oh, ha. I like it. That's that's good. I like that. All right, but okay, regardless, the boss. the boss is in my bear hall of fame. I dig it. And he gets a banner hung for him this week as yes. well. So look at that. What a ceremony for the boss. I bring to you Thanksgiving headlines uh, because I think that uh, both of these stories are awesome. I think both of them deserve a banner hung for them. I bring to you first Winston, the French Bulldog, who won best in show at the National Dog Show this year. He is the first French Bulldog in history to win the competition's top prize. Not only this, but he is also owned by Chargers defensive lineman Morgan Fox. <laughs> wow. Yes. So That's amazing. I mean, he's got a famous dad. He now himself is a famous dog. And so hats off to Winston. We hang a banner for you. We also take a moment to hang a banner for the corn kid. I did yeah, see this. He's back and yeah, he's better than ever. 
I, I guess he's certainly helping more than ever. Uh, Tariq is his name. The corn kid helped donate 90,000 cans of vegetables, including 50,000 cans of corn to families on Thanksgiving. If that isn't the epitome of using your fame for good, I don't know what is. This kid could be just a little shit. Uh, yeah, I'm the corn kid. I get whatever I want, right? Like just like the nightmare child from Willy Wonka or something like that. But instead, what does he do? He turns his love for a vegetable into helping thousands of American families who are undoubtedly in need this holiday season. And uh, 90,000 cans of food is a lot of food. Like I think about what I've got in the pantry right now. I probably have 12 cans of peas that'll sit there for a while. And like, <laughs> multiply that by i don't know a gazillion and you've got ninety thousand cans of, of vegetables so maybe even bigger than winston we hang a larger banner for Tariq the corn kid for for helping so many get food on the table this year absolutely though i've always in these situations like to think that somewhere out there somebody just had like corn for thanksgiving like they just had a plate of corn and i was like eh, I mean, it's better than nothing it's better than nothing. It's better than eating four plates uh, of food for Thanksgiving, in, in my opinion, after having experienced four plates of Thanksgiving food. Uh, and that's called a callback. And uh, now we're at the end of the show. Episode 11 is wrapping up. Tyler, you got anything left? I don't. Good, because I... I don't either. Uh, I will tell everybody, though, to follow us. It says so right there on the banner, right down there, uh, to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Hangin' Banner, so you know when we post a podcast, because I'll let you know when we post a podcast. Also, you can follow and subscribe on YouTube, on Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts, though I don't think that I've uploaded one of these to Apple Podcasts in a bit. So just do Spotify because that's what normal people do. And that's what we do here at Hanging Banners. This is episode 11. I'm Ryan Sartori. That is Tyler Witt. Jack Coachman is back next week. I'm back next week. Tyler's back next week. We actually don't know. This is a fluid situation, but one of us will be here next week to give you everything that we give you here on Hanging Banners. And right now we're out of here. See you guys. See ya. Peace. Okay, great. Thanks a lot for that look in sports, Brian. Yeah. And when we come back, we'll have one final look at weather. Stay tuned.